Welcome to Couch Potato Diary. Once again, after a bit of a break, was on Sportsnet 960 this week, but we are back and we are geared up now as we approach the start of the NFL season and a very busy fall time in the world of sports. My name is Peter Klein. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and threads. I am at primetimeklein, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show, Diary at yahoo.com. Uh, coming up on the program today, the Blue Jays pick up a win over Cleveland. We will get into everything that that means. One team in the American League continues to collapse and it continues to be frustrating. And then we'll get into some NHL and always a crowd pleaser, some college football. Uh, and that will close out the show today. So thank you all so much for downloading. Thank you all so much for listening today. Hi, I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein. And this is We Had No Idea. A podcast about world events that you know about but might have fallen asleep for during history class. Or social studies, however you learned history in high school. Each week, we'll do a deep dive into important topics throughout history. So whether you already know everything or feel like you need to top up on some history, we'll be here for you. Listen to us each week wherever you get your podcasts. Woo! All right, let's start with the Toronto Blue Jays. They pick up a 1-0 win over the Cleveland Guardians after a 1-0 loss to the Cleveland Guardians uh, yesterday. This is a team that right now, like, at this point, wins are wins. Uh, you know, it's that TikTok audio, win is a win, win is a win. Um, that, that's kind of where we're at right now with this Blue Jays team. But I do think that there, it, it's a touch concerning that some of those offensive woes that were giving this team some issues against the Baltimore Orioles are popping up again. I don't know why my... Laptop just decided to make a noise there, but uh, we will continue on. Um, but yes, some of those issues that were starting to pop, pop up in the Baltimore series are starting to pop up again. And it's specific with runners in scoring position. On Tuesday night, the Blue Jays have first and third with uh, a chance to tie the ball game, and they can't cash in. Tonight, they have bases loaded, nobody out, and they can't cash in. And this is why... It was frustrating that the Blue Jays stood pat at the trade deadline because it wasn't about going out and getting a difference maker, in my opinion, anyway. It wasn't going out and getting, um, getting like a four or five war player and just, okay, now this has put the Blue Jays over the top. What it was about is, like in that Baltimore series, the Blue Jays go two for 29 with runners in scoring position. If you can get someone to help you go five for 29, maybe you win that series against Baltimore uh, rather than lose it. And in this case, if you have someone to get a hit in one of those spots, and I'm not saying they, they would have pinch hit for Schneider or they would have pinch hit for uh, whoever in these spots, um, but maybe you get someone who can do those things and they can deliver hits for you. And so it's not about someone going out and winning a game for you. It's doing a couple of those little things that turn a one-run loss into a one-run win. And I, I, that's why I was frustrated that the Blue Jays didn't really address that. But you, you still have to look at these games as huge wins, regardless of how it happened. I know that there is a bit of like, you have to ask how and not just how many, but regardless of the how, it's really great that the Blue Jays are picking up some of these very close wins and really starting to run away in the American League wildcard. As I record this at 9.30 on, what is this, Wednesday? Wednesday night. Um, as I record this on Wednesday night, the Blue Jays are currently two and a half games up on the Seattle Mariners for that top wildcard spot, but then five up on Boston, five and a half up on the Yankees, and seven and a half up on the Angels, who we'll get to in a second. And with this, they have completely put Cleveland 
out of any concern. You know, like that they are now, uh, they've won two out of three, so they're nine and a half up on, on Cleveland. If the Guardians were to come in here and, and swept the Blue Jays, then Cleveland is kind of right back in it, but so is everyone. But the, the Blue Jays, with, with a very impressive stretch here against Boston and Cleveland, have really shown that they are or have really started to put their stamp on, on this wildcard spot. They're a game and a half back of Houston for that, that second wildcard. Although being the third wildcard, even though it's on the road, a couple of games against Minnesota isn't the worst thing in the world. So I, I, I like where this Blue Jays team is at right now. Uh, they're going to get Bo Bichette back at some point. Chad Green's recovery uh, gets set back a little bit as he got hit in the head by a ball getting thrown back to him. Uh, so he's concussion protocoled for a week. So we'll see how that kind of develops as it goes along. But overall, this Blue Jays team is in a good spot. But you just, you look at um, how they've lost some of these games, and it just really shines a light that, man, it would have been nice to have one more bat. And you see what happens with Ryu. It would have been nice to have one more arm. But either way, I still don't want to take away from the fact that these are big wins for the Blue Jays. And at a, a very, very big time. And like... Uh, now coming up for the Blue Jays, they have a, a weekend series with the Cubs after an uh, afternoon game tomorrow. Uh, it'll be a weekend set with the Cubs. We don't know who's going to be starting for Toronto this yet. The Cubs are in a playoff, or were in a playoff spot, sorry, they're half a game back now of the Marlins at this exact moment in time. Um, but the Blue Jays have seven more wins, six more wins than the Cubs do this year. That, that's, a, again, a series that the Blue Jays should go out and that the Blue Jays should win. And... They, they are starting to, like, really kind of separate themselves from kind of the, the back of the middle tier. They still haven't done enough to put themselves in a spot where you have to consider them as one of the top tier teams in the American League because they continue to struggle against teams like Baltimore. But, again, huge, 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 these wins for the Blue Jays, racking them up to separate themselves from the middle of the pack in the American League. And while it's been frustrating, there are still players who are stepping up. And a big one in this game tonight was George Springer coming up with a big hit in this game that helps the Blue Jays pick up the one nothing win. He was basically 0 for July. So the fact that he has kind of broken out of this slump. And I, I thought it was absurd. Some of the things that were going around like, oh man, the, the Blue Jays are going to have to look at like eating a bunch of this salary and trading this guy. Like, fuck off with that. It, it, a bad month, man. In the two months prior, he was hitting 287 and 286. This is this is not a guy I, I don't think that is just like completely fallen off. Um, he would be the second best player on the Yankees right now. So don't let's let, let's not act like this is like Nelson Cruz or random old guy X. This is still someone who is, I think, a very valuable contributor to the Toronto Blue Jays. Another player who has been that has been Yusei Kikuchi. Um, his bounce back this season and like last year obviously wasn't it. I was willing to give him the second chance this year. I didn't like that they were banking on it and we've discussed at length my issues with the, the Blue Jays pitching rotation and how they've set that up. But th this is a... Toronto team that needed Yusei Kikuchi to bounce back in this big way, and he absolutely has. Credit to him for reworking things. Um, it, it seemed like he put in a lot of work this offseason to get himself back to a point where he could be a, a real strong contributor to the, the Blue Jays. Um, so credit to him, credit to the team for, for giving him a second chance, because I, I think a lot of team, and I think a lot of fans would have been on board with the Blue Jays just trying to dump that salary for a D-level prospect, and then moving on that way. 
and in bringing in like using that money to to bring in this year's version of of Yusei Kikuchi. And instead they stick with him and he has been great. And we're we're getting ready for the playoffs now. I think he's in contention to be a starter for for the Blue Jays in a postseason series, in a three-game series, uh, whether it be against the Twins, the Astros, or the Rays, or or someone else, but in a, a three-game wildcard series, if you can set your rotation up, Gosman is obviously number one. Um, and then after that, like, Bassett has been really strong at times and a little inconsistent at times. Barrios and Kikuchi have both, I think, stepped up in big-time ways. So it's basically right now, and like... Ryu, in his last outing, was pitching a no-hitter before he got popped on the knee. Um, it's basically everyone but Manoa that you can consider an option in, in there right now. But it, it's nice that, like, Kikuchi could be uh, a good arm coming out of the bullpen um, for the Blue Jays if one of the, the starters doesn't really go that long. Or even if you just need a couple of big outs, he, I would trust him in leverage over a, a number of relievers on this team right now. So you say Kikuchi has pitched his way into being a very viable option for uh, for the Blue Jays going forward, and I don't know if a lot of people had that on their bingo card coming into this season. Uh, moving on, there is one team that has been an absolute colossal failure, and it sucks that the Angels have just completely fallen off. Uh, a giant losing streak has basically put them outside of playoff contention, and I heard it today on a, a podcast. Someone was talking about it. Uh, when the losing streak was at four, someone was like, okay, well, this probably knocks them out of contention. And it's like... If you couldn't afford a bad four-game stretch, maybe you shouldn't have been buying. And I look, I like what the Angels did. Um, I like how aggressive they were, and um, that they made a couple of moves. I wouldn't mind the blue. I would have loved that Randall Grichuk, CJ Crone move to to get the Blue Jays um, a, a bit of help offensively. But the Angels were the ones who made it. And they, they shore up their pitching staff with Giolito, a pitcher that I would have liked the Blue Jays to have looked at. That one, the the acquisition cost would have been too much to, to make sense for what the Blue Jays actually need right now. Um, but they've just completely fallen apart. And now you look at it, it's probably going to be another year without the postseason. And it's probably going to be Shohei Otani leaving for free. Um, I know there's been talk that, that he is still quite interested in the Angels, and apparently he wants to stay out on the West Coast. So... He can, and like it's still very much a possibility, but there is a very real possibility now that they have gone out, traded uh, a few young players away to make a, a run at it this year, so they're going to be out that prospect capital, however strong or not strong it may be, plus they're going to be out Shohei Otani, and now you're going to have a Mike Trout who it feels like is post-Apex, and a, a lot of other veteran overpriced talent that feels post-Apex, and it just... It feels like it could get really, really dark with the Angels really quickly. Um, the the Yankees' struggles, I still feel vindicated in saying that I think they should have been looking at maybe being more sellers at the trade deadline. Apparently, the, the ask for some of their rentals was just absolutely absurd, which doesn't surprise you when it comes to the Yankees, but that just feels like a horribly mismanaged situation. Um, no one really won this MLB trade deadline, but holy crap, does it look like the Angels are losing the, the post-deadline life right now. Uh, as my cat climbs all over everything... Proving exactly why my wife, when she was buying Taylor Swift tickets today, just needed to shut the door and keep the cats out, uh, rather than let us all hang around here. 
Uh, just quickly, NHL, uh, there was the big trade. I didn't get to, to go all that in-depth on it. Um, on 960, we had experts come on for that. But just quickly, I don't love um, what the Sharks... In fact, I hate what the, the Sharks have done here. To basically... like, You can convince me very easily that it's like... We, we just wanted to, to get off of this contract. But this feels like a missed opportunity for the Sharks. Like, if this was the, really the package that you were going to get... Um, it could have been done at the deadline, you know, like this, and you probably would have got more because you, you would have had him like at the peak of his powers there last year, um, for like just a, a quick stretch run. So I like, this feels like a, a real failing, uh, and a real misread of the market from, from San Jose. No, maybe they turn Granlin, Ruda and Hoffman into anything, but Montreal has been trying to get off of Hoffman for two years now. Um, Granlin didn't work in Pittsburgh. He's making five and Yan Ruda, um, is serviceable at best. So, like, maybe that's a set, like, a maybe you get a second, third, and a fourth out of this, and the, the trade tree looks a little bit better, but as it sits right now, oh boy, does this look not great for San Jose. And it doesn't get you anywhere close to, to bottoming out in a, in a way that would be significant. Uh, for Pittsburgh, they get Carlson. It's not a massive home run because they're still on the books for 10 million of it, but it's... He's not going to be, like, even if he is not at the peak of his powers, and I, I would suggest this last year we saw from him is going to be the best we see from him from now on. You know, like, that—that that is his last great season, um, or his last best season, I guess. Like, he could still have a couple of great ones, but on this Pittsburgh team, they don't need him to be great, um, which is why I think it would have been better if they would have had him at, like, six and a half rather than ten, but th they don't need him to be great. He just needs to help complement some of these pieces around, which, again, is... Not ideal when you're paying a guy $10 million, but like this power play is going to be lethal. Um, I can't imagine they're going to go Latang and Carlson. I, I think you can, you put those guys on two different lines and then you are dealing with 40 to 45 minutes of each game where you're dealing with one of those two players being out on the ice. And for Montreal, I kind of like what they did. Um, they didn't give up a whole lot. They bring in Jeff Petrie, who I think will be good to, to kind of mentor some of the, the young defensemen they have coming through. Casey DeSmith gives them a bit of goaltending depth that they didn't necessarily have. Maybe gives them flexibility to move one of their goaltenders. Uh, and they get a second round pick out of the, the whole thing too, for basically nothing. So I, I kind of like what Montreal did and that I'm, I was surprised that Montreal wasn't called upon to, um... To, to retain any of the salary in the Carlson thing. Like, when I saw they were included, that was my first thought, was that Montreal was going to be called on to, to retain. But yeah, this is... It feels incomplete for San Jose, and if they get good returns for these three guys, then maybe I, I'm wrong. But for a team that's looking to rebuild, you get a first that's probably going to be in the 20s, maybe even later. And that's it. It, it feels... And you give up a third, too. Like, it just... None of it feels great. Um, lastly today, just something that's been bugging me. And if you're a longtime listener of the show, first of all, thank you. Um, but secondly, you'll know that I, I've done this before. But we have another bit of college football realignment. Uh, where essentially the Big 12 or the, the Pac-12 is going to be dead. Um, you have four teams move from the Pac-12 into the Big 10. Which... It's tough to do this on a, a video, or a, sorry, on an, an audio platform, I'm not doing video for this one. We are hoping to do more video soon. But um, you see a map where all the Big Ten teams are Northeast United States, right? For, for those who don't know, that's the Ohio States, the Michigans, uh, Northwestern, which is in Chicago. I, I, I think Rutgers, uh, which is New York. That might not be true. But um, they, Northeast to Midwest United States. But like... 
the eastern part of Midwest United States, right? Um, and now you had four teams from the Pac-12, which by the name, the Pac-12 gets its name from being on the Pacific Coast. Um, and so, A, this bullshit that people give me all the time about the reasons you need conferences and divisions and, oh, well, the travel is, have you ever been on a plane in between time zones? Spare me that if these college kids are doing it now. Um, if we're getting rid, like, if, if we have a conference that is just the northern part of the United States um, going from coast to coast, then spare me the that conversation. But they're college kids, they can bounce back, it's football, it's one game. However, um, it just sucks. Like, it, it, it A, it's dumb. Um, to, to have these all spread out and it's all money grab. And I understand all of that, but just from a, a college football watching standpoint, it just sucks. And I get why it's happening, right? Like for the big 10, you now can expand your television market out to the West coast. Um, that is a very, very good thing. Um, like that, that the big 10 network now basically becomes a national TV network with all these in the Northeast and the, the coast, you want to be on the coast if you're your television. So the big 10 network now gets a very big boost for that. That helps with TV deals as well. It helps in recruiting. Now you can have, not that Ohio state isn't a national recruiter anyway, but you now bring in some talented California and Pacific Northwest players in, into your fold for recruiting. So I like, I, I, I fully understand why it's happening. And I fully understand, this is probably the most old man yells at cloud I'm going to get about anything in sports right now. But this just fucking sucks. Um, it's a sport where, like, you, you actually, like, conferences, I think, uh, actually matter in college football. Just based, like, you, there are 200 college football teams, you're not going to play all of them. Um, so conference play actually becomes very important. I don't know. Like, it's just... It's, I don't want to be like holding up the traditions of all of this, whatever, but it's just like, this feels like it has gone too far. And the frustrating thing for me is that it's going to work, right? Like it's, this is just going to keep making all of these schools money. It, it, this, this one isn't going to be the death blow for college football, much like the, the Big East uh, wasn't the, the death blow. It, I think it actually, I think the Big East kind of dissolving kind of hurt college basketball a little bit because that was a classic rivalry in a classic tournament. But that's the other thing for college football, like this isn't going to affect it one bit. It is still going to be a gigantic juggernaut that continues to go through. And if it's not the SEC, it's probably going to be this conference now. Um, and if it's not Alabama and Georgia, it's going to be Ohio State and, and USC as it's always been. Um, that this is always going to be something that is just an absolute juggernaut. So like... I'm going to have zero leg to stand on when it comes to why this shouldn't happen because like financially it's going to be a huge success. It's still going to be entertaining. You're still going to get high level football versus high level football. It's not watering down anything. It's just changing it and I don't like it. So I'm I, fully understanding that I'm being old here. I just think it's dumb that a conference that includes Ohio State also includes Oregon. Can that just, can I just think it's dumb, please? Because I just, just think it's dumb. Um, and lastly, this is a huge failure for the Pac-12. I don't know, and I, like I'm seeing some people saying, oh, this is true East Coast bias. Ah, LA's still big. But if you can't get a conference off the ground that, and not that it's, not that they were trying to, to launch this thing, but if you drop the ball on a conference that includes multiple Los Angeles uh, schools, including USC, which as a brand was like one of the top brands 
in LA. Like for sports, it was probably the Lakers and then USC at the time. And honestly, there were probably stretches where USC was number one. Matt Leinart and, and Reggie Bush were probably two of the most famous athletes in Los Angeles and in North America. And that was when they were in college. To fail on this level where now your conference is falling apart. And USC had a ton of sanctions on them, and then they were mismanaged for a little bit. So I think a lot of this is USC is now just, just coming out of a basically decades-long doldrum. Um, more than that. After Pete Carroll left, it, it has just completely fallen apart. But to have these games at the Coliseum that you can have, to, to have a national spotlight every year around the Rose Bowl. And there's another thing that, that kind of hurts the Pac-12, where now the, the Rose Bowl, um, where it was a, a big spotlight for the, the Pac-12, um, and ironically enough, the Big Ten, every year, um, now like that, it, it the Rose Bowl is kind of that sometimes, but sometimes it's just a playoff game. And so that national spotlight on the Pac-12 goes away, but this is a gigantic failing that you can have a conference that includes multiple teams in Los Angeles, multiple teams in California. Um, you have a, a fairly strong market and a passionate football market out in Seattle, and now you're dissolving because you couldn't really get a TV deal, and you're going like hat in hand to some of these places begging for a TV deal. Um, it, it is just a gigantic failure, failing for the, the Pac-12, and... I don't know where they go from here. Uh, well, probably just away. But I don't know what some of the other schools in this conference look like now going forward and, and how this kind of changes the landscape. But I, I do think that like USC falling off and the college football playoff in two ways. One, because it does affect the Rose Bowl, which is a marquee Pac-12, at one point Pac-10 uh, game. It's weird how I was so ingrained in Pac-10. I was like, Pac-12 is never going to be normal. And now I'm like, was it actually the Pac-10 at one point? But regardless, um, you have the, the Rose Bowl that was this big showcase, and now every once in a while, it just isn't. Um, and also, the Pac-10 has had minimal to no success in the college football playoff era. So all of those things combine for a gigantic failing for a conference that feels like it just missed layup after layup, after layup. All right, that's going to do it for the program today. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for downloading. Uh, thank you for listening. If you have any thoughts on the show at all, you can send them my way on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at primetimekline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk, and you can email the show, Diary at yahoo.com. The schedule for the rest of the week. I tell you it's a three shows a week. We're getting you three shows a week. Tomorrow is all about the Canadian Football League. We will get into power rankings. We will get into our CFL picks for the week. Friday, it is a fighting... Friday, um, maybe the last Just Fighting Friday before we go to Fights and Football Friday. Um, but we are going to get into everything from SummerSlam. I wanted to do a post show. It was a rough week here, um, so didn't. Uh, we got some SummerSlam and a bit of UFC talk coming up on Friday. And then Saturday, as they get ready to put Jose Bautista into the level of excellence, we are going to do a Jose Bautista Legacy look. So that is what is coming up on the podcast for the rest of the week. At least that is the plan. Um, lastly, like I said before, um, th this was a, a very difficult last seven days out here in Calgary. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Chris Bowen, um, long, long time employee at 660 News, passing away. Um, this was a lot to take for a lot of people. And I think a lot of conversations could be had coming out of it. Um, 
for now, it, it was just, it was great to, I, I, unfortunately, I couldn't make it to the memorial on Saturday, but it was great to have a few kind of side chats with people throughout the week talking about some amazing memories for amazing people. Um, if, if mental health is something that you are struggling with, there are so many amazing resources in Calgary. Uh, the Calgary Counseling Center is the one that I have gone with that doesn't make it the best one. It just makes it the one that I have gone with, but there are a lot of great options. Do not hesitate to, to talk to people. Do not hesitate. Um, to do, even just sometimes just doing a mental health check-in, th those can really help. It changed my life. Um, and if you are in need of it, hopefully it can change yours as well. So th this is an awkward thing at the end, but th this has been a very difficult week. But, um, lastly, Chris, we miss you. We love you. And, um, just, just really sad. Um, so anyway, that's uh, a downer to end the podcast, but thank you all for tuning in and I'll talk to you tomorrow. All right. Have a good one.